Welcome to the Leadership Insights Podcast, the podcast that takes you on a journey into the world of leadership, offering a deep dive into the minds of accomplished leaders from various fields around the world. I'm your host, Amanda Jane, originally from the north of Ireland and now living in beautiful Cheshire, England. Together, we'll explore the strategies, experiences, and wisdom that have shaped these incredible leaders into the visionaries they are today through solo episodes and interviews. I'm a leadership and communications coach myself, and I'm passionate about promoting a coaching culture in the workplace, as well as empowering leaders to flourish personally and thrive professionally. Whether you're a seasoned executive, an aspiring leader in business, or someone simply fascinated by the art of leadership, each episode will provide valuable insights, practical tips, and inspiring stories. So get ready for a dose of motivation, innovation, and leadership brilliance on the Leadership Insights Podcast, brought to you by amandajane.co.uk. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the Leadership Insights Podcast with me, Amanda Jane, and today my guest is Victoria Cunningham. Welcome, Victoria. Hello, hello, lovely to see you. And it's lovely to have you. So before we begin, thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast, and I'm going to ask you the three questions. So do you have a favourite motivational song, one that really lifts your mood? Yes, um, it is The Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine. Um, so it's a, it's quite an old one now, but it always makes me dance. And I just love the idea that my dog days are over. <laughs> I don't know that song. I will definitely oh, add it to my now playlist. You to, yeah, you have to have a little listen to it and you will, you'll get up and dance. That sounds fantastic. I will definitely add that to my playlist. And what is your favorite motivational quote? I don't know the author of this quote, but it was on one of those quote a day uh, calendars um, in 2002. <laughs> and it's been my quote. Wow. <laughs> yes, it's a very old quote, but I still can't find out who it's attributed to. But it is, it is a great relief when you find out that, now I have to think about it. It is a great relief when you find out that you do not run the world and that is really important to me because I think as a woman, uh, we think that the world wouldn't turn unless we were like cranking the handle. So oh. it is a great relief when you discover that you do not run the world, nor do you have to. That is so interesting. Yeah, I can I can see why that appeals because you, you do, don't you? You take the world on your shoulders and you think that if, <laughs> you have to run everything. I like that. I'll definitely add that to my list. And finally, what's your favorite book? And this one doesn't have to be motivational because I'm always on the lookout for good books anyway. Um, I've got hundreds. I'm I'm a real it's hard um, to choose. Yeah, I am. I, I think probably at the moment it's the body keeps the score by Bessel oh. van der Kolk, oh, which interesting. is subtitled Mind brain and body in the transformation of trauma so it's one of those books the text is very small I have to read it with a microphone or like a magnifying glass uh-huh. but um it's all about yeah how everything that's ever happened in your life whether your brain has forgotten it or not your body still remembers uh-huh. and on a cellular level so the body keeps the score is really really inspirational Oh, that's so interesting. I will definitely look that one up. Do you know, I've got really into audiobooks. (laughs) 
read, I, I love books. Then I uh, read them on my Kindle and then I got into audiobooks. And the reason I love that is because I can have a book on the go all the time while, yes. while I'm doing other things. And I've, I've always been an avid reader, but I've definitely got addicted to audiobooks now. But thank you. I will add that to my list. Yeah, have I given you an idea now? <laughs> no, I used to love an audiobook, but it was pre-lockdown because I listened uh-huh. to them in the car. I find them really relaxing uh-huh. uh, to listen to spoken word rather than listen to music. Yeah. And it, it actually made me a better driver. Right. But lockdown happened and I, you know, and I think my journeys have got a lot shorter. So I yeah. find it hard to get into books and um, listen, listening to them mm-hmm. um, when I'm not driving. <laughs> so. Do you know, I think it goes back to childhood when your parents used to read to you. I think it's something to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> Should we keep that for another podcast? <laughs> <laughs> It's only just occurred to me. So moving swiftly on from the, from the psychology. So we're, we're going to talk about leadership today. And so you, you're an entrepreneur and I've known you for a long time. So tell me a little bit about what you do. I run an organization called the Ordinary People Academy. And um, during a, as part of our work, we train people to become extraordinary wellness professionals. So we train people as Pilates teachers, yoga teachers, breathwork facilitators, and even kids movement and mindfulness um, coaches. And uh, yeah, I love the idea of yoga that's not for hippies, uh, breathwork <laughs> that's, that's not um, for Bali Brad, and um, Pilates that's not for skinny minis like it's for <laughs> ordinary people uh-huh. and so they the whole organization has come out of that ethos that ordinary people can be extraordinary teachers and can um look at these things without without really going changing their personality i yeah. think you know you know that thing about the yoga teacher that suddenly gets this really polite voice and start you know and it's like you know just be yourself so um yeah so the ordinary people academy came out of that i love that and it's so you because that that's not you doing the, the polite the polite yoga voice no i think i think that's just perfect because everybody wants to join in and you, you don't want to feel that you can't be part of the club and the fact that it's accessible to absolutely everyone and, and it's so inclusive, I think that that's absolutely fantastic. And I've only recently discovered the term breath work and I've been doing some classes uh, with a different coach and it meant nothing to me about six weeks ago. And then uh, we did we did a little bit of work and it's something that I'm looking at personally. So I'll, I'll, I'll chat to you about that separately, but that's fascinating. Yes, I know that's just so interesting. So you, over your career, you've, you've led a lot of people, you've led a lot of classes, and I'm pretty sure that you've got a lot of leadership insights. So I've got a few questions to kind of get some get some juicy tidbits from you and and see um, just where exactly your journey has, has taken you. So we'll, we'll start um, with a few few simple questions, hopefully that um, that won't scare you to death. So can share your leadership journey with me and some key milestones that shaped your career and what stands out as the most memorable? OK, I would say that I have been a leader since um my very early childhood because I was the oldest sister and I think uh-huh. you know that feeling mm-hmm. so when you're the oldest sister you're the leader um and in school when we played games I led the games I I was the director and the star and you know <laughs> that doesn't like, surprise me yeah. yeah and everybody had to toe the line I always thought 
that I would be a teacher and but but I never liked the idea of classroom management and being with teenagers in particular that just didn't want to be there I always wanted to teach people who were as passionate about the subject as I was and so I yeah I think I think the school that I went to is is one of those schools that actually a lot of people came out of school and went straight to teacher training college and I was like oh no no I'm you know I'm going to get a career I'm going to do something at the same time as that while I was in school um I discovered yoga I was only 13 years old and I'd gotten a book from the library and I started to do yoga which was very strange because I didn't like sport but I loved the shapes and I loved the way it made me feel. And when I was 16, my mom allowed me to go to my local technical college to start classes. And I mean, we're talking the 1980s here, so it wasn't popular. And I was the youngest by about 40 years. And again, <laughs> I remember I went through my GCSEs and my A-levels going to yoga and it really supported my my um, stressful I, I, yeah, I was just young and a bit of a stress head and, and a perfectionist and worried about, um, you know, exams. And I find the yoga breathing and the postures really, really helped me. And I remember my yoga teacher saying, you should be a yoga teacher. And again, very, very rudely, I, I dismissed her and went, I'm going to university to get a real job. And <laughs> Well, I actually became a teacher and a yoga teacher. And I would say that was my first leadership role. I have been teaching and leading yoga classes in my community since 2001. Mm-hmm. And I then became self-employed and started the entrepreneurial journey in 2006. But in between times, I was teaching yoga in the evenings and um I worked in youth and community work in Northern Ireland and I found that the young people that I was working with were like 16 to 25. So it was almost like it was too late for them. And I decided that it would be a really good idea to maybe combine my passions for for youth work and helping kids, but really trying to get them at a younger age. And so I decided, yeah, that I was going to quit my full-time job and go full-time as a yoga teacher and as a children's yoga teacher in particular but in Northern Ireland in the early 20 no it was 2006 actually Mm -hmm. um so yeah in the early 2000s um it was really like yoga for children It, (laughs) it was just absolutely frowned upon and now of course you know we're 20 years down the line and schools are crying out for yoga um and you know movement and mindfulness and i've really expanded what i offer um and i'm surprised that i'm still offering it but it's you know it's needed now more than Mm -hmm. ever Mm -hmm. And, and i just remember that yeah it was one of those things i wanted to get kids at a younger age and i wanted to address rising obesity levels and low self-esteem and really work with kids who were living in areas of multiple deprivation in a post troubles northern ireland and you as my just like myself we both come from northern ireland we've lived through the troubles Mm -hmm. and so we understand the trauma that that can entail Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it, it it really does shape everything. And it was like, if we can use movement and mindfulness to allow children to express themselves better, mm-hmm. 
um, I think it's it's really going to um, just develop them as people. So you did become a teacher, but on your own terms. And I find that really interesting because those things that you're talking about are very trendy now. But you were doing those things way before they were on Instagram, way before they became popular. And obviously with with what we know now, you know, teaching children, young people, yoga and mindfulness. And for me, it just makes complete and utter sense. But I, I knew you back then and, you know, you, you you just you never moved from your goal at all. You were determined to do what, what you were doing. And, and I'm interested to know what actually drove you and and what were what influenced you. So who who would you look up to? Who would have been your who would have motivated you the most? What kind of did you was there any kind of inspirational figure, famous or not famous, that that inspired you? That is interesting. Um, now this will sound a bit like um, a bit strange, but <laughs> you are one of my inspirations. <laughs> yes. I was not expecting that. Yes, and that sounds like I set that. that up completely. No, no, she didn't. I promise she didn't know <laughs> that. But the fact that you got up, that you are absolutely a self-made woman, you left Northern Ireland. You just decided, right, that's it. I don't want to be here anymore. And you made it happen. And I watched that and I went, I don't want to be here either. <laughs> and you were my inspiration to move from Ireland to Scotland. Um, oh. So, yeah, so you didn't know that. But I that's, didn't. Um, so uh -huh, I find that, yeah, I just thought if she can do it, I can do it. So oh. yeah, I'm going to do it. So you are absolutely one of my inspirations. Oh, wow. Like, that, that's just, that's really shocked me. Thank you, Victoria. That's an amazing thing to say. And for context, for anyone that's listening, Victoria and I used to work together. <laughs> so that that's how we we um, we kind of, um, how we know each other. But, oh, I'm really touched. That's, it. oh, that's so amazing. Thank you. And I would never have known that only for this podcast. You oh, introduced wow. me to so many things. LinkedIn, for example. I <laughs> set up my LinkedIn profile in the very Did I? yes yes and oh. um you were interested in the world of um a, like VA and stuff and I'd never yeah. heard of anything like this you know yeah. to, to be um I'd heard of like personal assistance but I'd never heard of virtual assistance yeah. And, and yeah you introduced me to a lot of things that um <laughs> that expanded my business because I don't just work um, in person and, and do courses. I actually do quite a lot of online training. And um, so again, you sowed the seeds of that very early on. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. I had no idea. That's so, <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> we'll, we'll move swiftly on to the next question. Thank you, Victoria. That, 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 wow, that means a lot. Thank you. Um, overcoming obstacles. So what challenges have you encountered as a female leader and how did you navigate through them? I think I mentioned earlier about what I was doing was very much ahead of my time. Yeah. And, really. um, and people didn't take me seriously as a woman, as a young woman. When I set up the business, I was in my early 30s. And yeah, I think it, it felt like the only person, I mean, I set it up, it was a limited company, a registered charity, but the only person who took it seriously was me at times. Um, and it really did, you know, I think I needed to move away from such a small country, which had quite limited ideas about things um, to somewhere a little bit bigger. And 
that would allow me to expand the business and that's what I did I, I really did expand out of teaching classes into training teachers mm-hmm. and I think probably too at that time there, there was so much so many other things going on when when you were trying to do normal things and convince people to to take on your ideology there, there was just so much noise going on elsewhere so yeah I can completely sympathize with that so at, at your lowest point then, did you have a mentor to talk to? And if you didn't, do you think it would have helped? Yes, I do. I think um, my lowest point was actually in 2008, 2009. I had been running the business for two and a half, three years at that point. And as I said, you know, I find I was butting my head against a brick wall at times. And I actually suffered a nervous breakdown. And subsequently was diagnosed with bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. and I think in part you did ask earlier about what drives me and I think my own mental health and my you know my wanting to be resilient and to prove to people that actually you can you can be a success Mm -hmm. and have a mental health condition at the same time Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that the world has to stop um so I think it would have helped because I had psychiatrists, I had psychologists, I had community psychiatric nurses, but I didn't have anybody um, who was helping me to look to the future and to to guide me in, um, because sometimes what happens sometimes with bipolar is that you can get very grandiose ideas yes. and there was nobody to rein those in. Right. So and maybe someone that? working with you with um, sort of goal setting, um and sort of small incremental achievements realistic achievements might have reduced that kind of well the the grandiose ideas I kind of get it in a bipolar um perspective but um somebody maybe to rein that in and and break it down into achievable steps might have might have been a a bit more helpful no that that's really interesting and that, that might that might resonate with with someone who's maybe going through something similar at the same but yeah I, I, and having been with you at that part in your life as well I can completely see how that but in spite of that look what you've achieved and you, you, you're just so you're so focused you're one of the most focused people that I know and you still managed it so um you know well done for that so balancing things so how do you manage a work-life harmony or balance and isn't that interesting isn't because- it I was actually thinking that when you said I'm one of the most focused people, I have seen so many people in the entrepreneurial world come, fly high, uh, burn big and then burn out. And I have kept going, plodding away, working away. Um, One of my big things is that the classes and the courses that I run are not I keep the numbers small so that we can keep the quality high and I do what I need it's one of the things i remember a friend of mine saying um and you, you'll have heard this of course that you teach best what you need to learn for yourself yeah and everything that i've created i have needed at some point so the yoga teacher training i needed that to support me and all of the theory around yoga the pilates teacher training i needed that and pilates has been absolutely a godsend you know when i had my baby by c-section and then was sort <laughs> of body back the breath work which is my latest course that's because i was holding my breath yeah and i needed to learn how to breathe again and mm-hmm. i find that 
when I learn something, I want to share it and teach others that yeah. as well. So, uh huh. How fascinating is that? That is so interesting. Very, very interesting, Victoria. <laughs> so, can you share any strategies you find in effect, um, effective in maintaining well being while pursuing your leadership goals? So, I can see how focused and driven you are. So, what do you do specifically to take care of Victoria? I do subjects that, that fascinate me. So, for me, I have a toddler and actually work is my solace. Work is my, <laughs> my break from, from the chaos of, of, yeah, just the chaos of a two-year-old. Um, so it's been interesting because of course we've had, you know, we've had three years of a, of a lockdown. And I, at that point before the lockdown, I was teaching um, three yoga teacher trainings and two Pilates teacher trainings running a month. And there's only four weekends in a month and i was all of these were in in in, in person courses mm -hmm. and so the lockdown was really useful and valid for me because it allowed me to really ramp up the online stuff that i was yeah. doing and as a result it's like record something and then you can sell it again yes. rather than have to reinvent the wheel each time yeah. and that has been incredibly um beneficial for me yeah. Having said that, though, I still, even online, I still like to be there. I like to be present. It's not, I have some self-paced courses, but yeah. a lot of them are led and supported by me. Mm -hmm. um, I bought too many courses mm -hmm. that I've not used, and I don't want my students to do the same thing. So, How interesting. Go back to what you said to me at the beginning, beginning of the podcast. What was your inspirational quote? <laughs> it's a great relief when we find <laughs> out that we cannot run the world nor nor should we be you know yeah it's, it's, it's echoing but yeah it's the sentiment but I can, I can understand that, that that control element there but but yeah that that's that was one of the for me personally I had having to move a lot online with work and making this discovery that it's okay to record something and and the usefulness of it is is forever and you don't always have to be present and and here and and doing it in the moment and i think um that that does take a lot of pressure off but and it's okay sometimes to buy courses and and if you don't look at them there and then in that moment you, you always know they're there but i will do that i i buy things and and i will get them out um further down the line when the need arises and I'll buy something just in case. And I'll think, ah, I've got that thing. So, you know, every everyone has a different reason for, um, you know, for buying something and, and they'll take it out when the time is right. But that's interesting. Hopefully that's taken the pressure off you and, and the control. What legacy do you hope to leave as a leader? And how do you measure the impact of your leadership? I'm in a big transitional period with the Ordinary People Academy at the moment. For the last decade, it has been very, very led by me. But now it is an academy and I want to become the headmaster of sorts and have um, and have a, a, a layer below me so that mm -hmm. there are tutors and trainers. And then below that, that there are qualified Pilates teachers, yoga teachers and so on um, out affecting their community. I want it to be not just a ripple effect, but like um, I don't even know what that word would be. Um, Filter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And that that sounds very, very you. And brand Victoria with that reach is perfectly doable and still nothing to do with teaching. But you described yourself as a headmaster. I know, I know. 
it just makes me laugh so much. The latest thing we have is um, we have the staff room, which is for all my graduates that they can go in. It's like a monthly membership. And I, I even did the branding for it with like loads of smoke because my recollection of a staff room in, in school was that you opened the door to the staff room smoke. and the pile of smoke came Can out. Can you imagine? Yeah, these, those were the days. The you know? smoke. Uh, my recollection is um, coffee smells. Oh yes, I, yeah. I, I, can, I can if I smell coffee, that that's it reminds me me of the staff room. Well, that that's so interesting that the legacy. But you know what? I can totally see that, that that happening for you, and people buy into your enthusiasm and the fact that you haven't changed your your focus and your desire and your dream and your legacy in in all this time, and that that iron will to do it and deliver what you that vision that you had before the world even knew the benefits of the, the mindfulness, the breath work, the yoga in, in young people and children and, you know, let alone adults. That's, I can just see that being, yeah, I can see Victoria changing the world. And the final question before we wrap up. So how do you envisage a future of leadership and what role do you hope to play in shaping it? And I think you've probably covered that. <laughs> yeah, Victoria is going to be on the cover of Time magazine. <laughs> I hope so. I think, yeah, like I said, the Ordinary People Academy, the way I see it is that we create extraordinary teachers. We create extraordinary people. And um, and that's, I, I see my, my vision is that my trainers will be, you know, exceptional and the experiences that we give to people will be absolutely transformational. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah it leadership is is really important and i think the leader has to go first and um i think as well people don't realize have you seen that that um that meme with the the wolf and no one realizes how hard the first wolf has to go for the other wolves to to find the you know the track and mm-hmm. it's a bit like that i've had to you know anything i'm asking people to do i've gone there first yeah. and um, and I think that's a really important thing so that leaders are leading from the front, but also then encouraging from behind as well. Yeah. And that's why mentorship is so important to me. And and I always ask that question. And it's just so important to to look for the leaders of the future, nurture them, because by the by definition, they're unsure of themselves and they're not quite sure what direction they should be taken. But when you're an accomplished leader or you're still you're still finding your feet or you're still learning, I think you you can spot potential in emerging leaders. And by pointing that out to emerging leaders, you know, you've got potential for this, you've got potential for that. Just igniting that little spark can make all the difference. And it it's just I I love I love it when that happens, when you can give someone that that little you know, that little seed of, oh, you know, I've got potential. I can do this. Yeah, I can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah, definitely. And it's it, and that that's why um, I'm so passionate about coaching culture, leadership, bringing on the next generation and passing on. And it's not it's not just by passing on the knowledge. It's about pass, passing on the passion and the drive and the focus and the goal because it means so much to us. So thank you so much, Victoria. It's been so interesting talking to you. So where can we go to find out more about about Victoria's Empire? Have you got a website? <laughs> yes, it's ordinarypeopleacademy.com. And you can find me on all the socials at Ordinary People Academy. 
That's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. And I'll certainly check that out. But thank you. It's been enlightening. It's been wonderful. And thank you so much for, for your honesty. And, um, and I'll hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Leadership Insights podcast today. And special thanks to my fantastic guest, Victoria Cunningham. Join me on the next episode for more inspirational leadership stories and insights. You can follow me on Instagram at Coach Amanda Jane or visit my website amandajane.co.uk. Bye for now.